Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer. And this episode is on the Manchester Martyrs. This episode is based on the story of Irish emigrants living in Manchester in the 1860s who were involved in Ireland's struggle for independence. The podcast centres around three men facing execution in 1867 but also involves the story of a daring jailbreak and the most famous organisation of the 19th century Irish world, the Fenians. In 1867, the sound of hammers echoed through the streets surrounding the New Bailey Prison at Salford near Manchester in the northeast of England. Over the course of a week, a large gallows was erected on the prison walls. This was in advance of one of the most controversial hangings in 19th century England. Three Irishmen, Michael O'Brien, Michael Larkin, and William Allen, were due to be hanged on Saturday, November the 23rd, 1867. Their case was famous. While the entire country was talking about it, the city of Manchester had been convulsed and divided. Around 10% of the city's population were Irish, and the plight of the three men had provoked both anger and sympathy in Irish communities across the city. Rumours that an attempt to rescue the three from prison was on everyone's lips. Major disturbances were feared. Soldiers from the 72nd Highland Regiment were drafted into Manchester to preserve order. They joined a police force that had been bolstered by an extra 2,000 officers who had been armed with pistols and sabres. When the day of execution finally arrived on November 23, 1867, over 10,000 people had thronged the streets surrounding the New Bailey Prison to see their hanging. A hostile stadium-like atmosphere greeted the three men as they emerged from the prison onto the gallows. Most of the crowd present were unsympathetic and had come to cheer on their execution. While the three men still harboured faint hopes of a rescue, they must have been terrified and dumbfounded. They had been drawn to the centre of remarkable events that gripped the attention of millions, yet the three were by no means exceptional individuals. Indeed, few had ever heard of Michael O'Brien, Michael Larkin or William Allen three months earlier. 
Nevertheless, the story of how the three men ended up on the gallows in the New Bailey Prison in Salford, Manchester in 1867 would become famous for decades to come. The three facing execution were ostensibly very, very different men. While they were all Irish emigrants in England, they had come from different parts of Ireland. Michael Larkin was originally from County Offaly, while Michael O'Brien hailed from County Cork, and the third man, William Allen, was born in Tipperary Town. Allen was the youngest at scarcely 19 years of age, while the eldest, O'Brien, was in his mid-thirties. Their life experiences were also wildly different. Larkin, the son of a tailor, had emigrated to Manchester in the aftermath of the Great Famine and followed in his father's footsteps, becoming a tailor himself. Michael O'Brien, however, lived an extraordinary life. At the age of 26, he had left Ireland, travelled to America, and there he had fought for the Union in the Civil War. After surviving the conflict, he returned home before emigrating again to England in 1866. Now, what brought all these three men together, and what would indeed bring them to the gallows in Manchester in November 1867, was their politics and the politics of their generation. All three were involved in the Irish Republican Brotherhood, better known as the Fenians. This organisation is central to their story, so it's worth taking a minute to look at the background of it. Founded in 1858 by James Stevens, amongst others, the Fenians were a political and military organisation committed to an independent Ireland. Established in the aftermath of the Great Famine of the 1840s by a generation who had survived the horrors of starvation and disease, they were committed to establishing an Irish Republic independent of Britain. While most members were Catholic, the Fenians were explicitly secular, believing that no religious organisation, including the Catholic Church, should influence politics. Most famously and controversially, the Fenians believed the only way Ireland could gain its freedom was through armed insurrection. From 1858 onwards, its members, numbering in the thousands, began to plan for a rebellion in Ireland. Given millions of Irish people had emigrated since the beginning of the Great Famine in 1845, they soon found allies across the world and soon the Fenians had an organisation that stretched from the United States of America to England. However, that first leader of the organisation, James Stevens, angered many when it seemed he was reticent to launch a rebellion and he was replaced in 1866 and the Galway-born veteran of the American Civil War Thomas Kelly became the most influential man in the Fenians. Within a few months, the organisation organised their first attempted uprising. This saw a raid on Chester Castle in England in February 1867 in an attempt to secure weapons. However, betrayed by an informer, these plans came to nothing. A few weeks later, in March 1867, a series of uprisings went ahead in Ireland in various locations across the island, but these were a disaster and amounted to little more than skirmishes. Amid bitter recriminations in the Fenians, Thomas Kelly left Ireland and travelled to England where he devoted his energies to reorganising the movement there. It was here where his fate was intertwined with the three men who are central to our story, William Allen, Michael Larkin and Michael O'Brien, all of whom were active to varying degrees in the Fenian movement in Manchester. While Larkin was something of a peripheral figure who had come to police attention for collecting money, William Allen and Michael O'Brien were more involved. Allen, at 19 years of age, and in spite of his youth, 
was regarded as one of the most senior Fenians in the Manchester area, while Michael O'Brien had already come to police attention. In 1866, he had been arrested in Liverpool when police suspected he was involved in gun running, although on that occasion he was acquitted, given the evidence presented in court was poor. While the leader, Thomas Kelly, was in Manchester, disaster struck on the night of September the 10th. After he and another leading Fenian in England, Timothy Deasy, left a meeting, they were arrested by the police. This was nothing short of a disaster, and what followed profoundly shaped the lives of William Allen, Michael Larkin and Michael O'Brien. Having been captured, Kelly and Deasy could expect to face long sentences in English jails, perhaps even as long as 20 years. For the Fenians in and around Manchester, they were unwilling to allow their leaders be taken without at least some form of an attempt to rescue them, and soon an opportunity presented itself. On September the 18th, 1867, the two captured leaders, Kelly and Deasy, were due to appear in a magistrate's court in Manchester, where it was widely expected they would be remanded to Hyde Road Jail in the city. For the local Fenians, this was their moment to strike. Once behind prison walls, freeing Kelly and Deasy would be very difficult, but while they were being moved from the courthouse to the prison, the convoy would be vulnerable. The Fenians carefully picked their spot along this route. Close to the jail, the convoy would pass beneath a railway bridge, and this constricted location was ideal for an ambush. While the reports of numbers vary, it's generally agreed that between 40 and 50 members of the Fenian movement from the Manchester area were involved in this plan to free Thomas Kelly and Timothy Deasy. Somewhere in the region of 20 armed themselves with pistols. William Allen, Michael Larkin and Michael O'Brien were all involved to some degree. While they certainly had strength in numbers, the plan was not without problems. All were not experienced men. As I've mentioned already, we know that Michael Larkin, for example, was only a peripheral member of the Fenian movement. Furthermore, they had failed to keep the plan secret. Given that there were 40 people involved, I suppose it's not that surprising that someone somewhere mentioned it. However, it seems to have been common knowledge in the Irish community in Manchester, to the point that one historian has said it was an open secret. Indeed, as the Fenians lay in wait for the convoy transporting Kelly and Deasy to the prison to approach, crowds began to gather to watch the events unfold. This was a world with no TV, so the chance to see such an event was alluring for many, no doubt. However, for the Fenians, this was naturally worrying, as it could well raise suspicions. Nevertheless, the police remained oblivious, and the convoy consisting of two carriages approached the bridge. The prisoners, Kelly and Deasy, were handcuffed inside one horse-drawn carriage. While six constables sat on the outside, a seventh policeman, Constable Charles Brett, was locked inside with the prisoners. A second carriage with four policemen followed behind. While there were eleven policemen guarding the two prisoners, not a single one was carrying a weapon. With around forty Fenians lying in wait, around half of whom were armed, there was little doubt now that Kelly and Deasy would make good an escape. In fact, it should have been straightforward, or so it seemed. But before we hear the full story, I'm going to take a quick break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Recently, I had a minor argument with a close friend that brought up things from my past that I really needed to get off my chest. I think we've all been there. Now, I found therapy a really great way to work through these issues. For me, I really like online therapy. And BetterHelp is a really great online service that allows you to make space for therapy no matter how busy you are. BetterHelp is convenient, affordable, and gives you the support you need, but also works around your schedule. It's really easy to get up and running with a therapist on BetterHelp. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You can do your sessions by text, phone, or video call, whichever suits you best. It's all about flexibility, working around your schedule. At the moment, BetterHelp are offering listeners to the show 10% off their first month. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash irishhistory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash irishhistory. Now let's return to Manchester in 1867. As the prison carriage carrying Thomas Kelly and Timothy Deasy passed beneath the railway bridge, the Fenians launched their ambush. Breaking cover, they immediately shot the horses which immobilised the prison van. They quickly overpowered the guards and set about breaking their leaders, Kelly and Deasy, free. They tried to use a sledgehammer to break in the roof of the van, but to no avail. They also tried to force the door open using crowbars and a boulder, but again, the door was sturdier than they anticipated. Undoubtedly fearful that police reinforcements would arrive and fuelled with adrenaline, they decided the easiest solution would be to just blow the lock off the door. This was more successful, but in the process they accidentally shot and killed the police constable, Charles Brett, who, unbeknownst to them, happened to be sitting just inside the door. While this did break open the door, these events had far-reaching consequences. The Fenians may not have realised the gravity of what they had just done, but Charles Brett was the first English policeman ever to die on duty. Kelly and Deasy were freed from captivity, but when the 40 or 50 or so who had been involved in the ambush tried to get out of the area, it ended up being somewhat chaotic. There was an immediate response from the authorities and even passers-by. Michael Larkin, William Allen and Michael O'Brien, the three I mentioned at the beginning of the show, were all apprehended by prison warders who had come from the nearby jail. Others were lucky to get away alive. Another Fenian, the Ohio-born Irish-American Edward Shore, was attacked by a mob but they handed him over to the police. In the confusion, Thomas Kelly and Timothy Deasy did manage to get clean away. 
However, the reaction in Manchester and indeed England was divided. Many were outraged by the death of Charles Brett, the policeman who had been killed. The city of Manchester offered £200, while the British government offered £300 for information. These were considerable amounts of money for the time. However, while many in England were furious and outraged, there was also a certain degree of sympathy for the Fenians. By 1867, as I said earlier, 10% of Manchester's population were Irish. Now, they weren't all sympathetic to the Fenians, but many who had been forced to emigrate during the Great Famine were. In the aftermath, the police launched raids into Irish working-class neighbourhoods, such as Little Ireland, and in a short period of time, 50 people in total had been arrested, 23 of whom were sent for trial. Among these were the three mentioned at the beginning, Michael Larkin, William Allen and Michael O'Brien. They were tried under the Treason Felony Act, which was a form of catch-all legislation. This allowed the prosecution to place equal blame on all those involved, regardless of who had actually pulled the trigger. The case, which attracted international attention, lasted over two weeks. Over 2,000 soldiers guarded the courthouse, guaranteeing there would be no repeat performance of the jailbreak. When the case finally drew to a close, five men were sentenced to death for their role in the events. Thomas Maguire, Edward Shore, Michael Larkin, William Allen and Michael O'Brien. No proof had been produced that any of them had fired the shot that killed the policeman. Indeed, it was almost certain that Michael Larkin didn't even have a gun. In a famous moment during the court proceedings, one of the five, Edward Shore, proclaimed, God save Ireland, a call that was repeated by the other prisoners. This would become a catch cry back in Ireland and used by political prisoners right up to the 1916 Rising and beyond. William Allen, only 19 years of age, expanded on this, outlining his political view. He said, I will die proudly and triumphantly in defence of republican principles and the liberty of an oppressed and enslaved people. Michael Larkin, however, adopted a more controversial approach when he claimed that he had been coerced into participating, which many saw as an attempt to place the blame on others. Nevertheless, all five were sentenced to death a very controversial decision. Aspects of the trial had been farcical and immediately the verdicts and in particular the severity of the sentences was called into question. Soon the case of the five became famous. The philosopher John Stuart Mill called for clemency while the Marchioness of Queensbury, a British aristocrat, sent £100 for the upkeep of Michael Larkin's family. Very quickly, one of the five, Thomas Maguire, did receive a pardon because it was proven some of the evidence used against him had been based on false testimonies. Of the remaining four, while they had been present, there was no evidence they had actually fired a shot. Pressure began to mount on the British political and legal establishment not to execute the men. However, the powers that be were determined to press ahead. The British authorities, while appealing to anti-Irish sentiment rising in England at the time, also viewed their executions as a clear message to Fenians everywhere that their actions would not be tolerated. By late November, as the execution date approached, Manchester, as I said at the beginning, was gripped by fear and tension. Would the Fenians or the wider Irish community try and rescue the four prisoners? Rumours certainly circulated that warehouses were going to be set alight, an event that would be used as a cover for a jailbreak. With only two days remaining, Before the execution, hopes they would be saved soared when Edward Shore, who had been born in Ohio and was an American citizen, 
had his death sentence commuted to life in prison after an appeal by the United States ambassador. Now there were only three, Michael Larkin, William Allen and Michael O'Brien who faced the noose. But there was no clemency for them and they had to wait in their cells listening to the gallows being constructed. As we saw on Saturday November the 23rd their time had run out and the three were brought onto the gallows shortly after 8am watched by a hostile crowd of thousands of people. When the three men emerged on that gallows, they faced the 67-year-old executioner, William Calcraft. A contemporary account written from the day by Samuel Page, a constable on duty, survives and this gives us a remarkable insight into what unfolded next. This is available in the National Library and is actually on their Flickr account. There's also an article in the History Ireland magazine and that's available on their website too. I will link to both of these in the show notes. They're well worth checking out. Anyway, this constable, Samuel Page, who was in front of the gallows, recalled the following about the event. About two minutes after the prison clock struck eight, the door opened and Alan appeared under the arch, whispering some prayers. The rope was put on him and the cap was pulled over his eyes when O'Brien appeared. He shakes hands with Alan and kissed him, saying very courteously, Goodbye, Alan then kept repeating very quickly, Jesus have mercy on me, which was taken up by Alan. In an aspect which rings true from evidence presented at the trial, Samuel Page stated that when the third man, Michael Larkin, appeared on the gallows, he was treated very differently by the other two Fenians. Samuel Page continued his account. Larkin then came in and was taken no notice of by the other two. This was probably because, during his trial, Michael Larkin had said he was coerced into participating and was doubtless regarded as something of a traitor by the other two Fenians. It appears the entire event soon got the better of Larkin because Samuel Page again remembered, as soon as the cap and rope were put on him, he fell over in a faint. The time for reprieves had passed and surrounded by units of the British Army and over 2,000 policemen, an escape was impossible. Shortly after 8 o'clock, the hangman Calcraft set about his work. The anticipation reached a peak when he pulled the lever and the horrible sound of the trapdoor falling echoed through the crowd as the three men fell to their deaths. However, William Calcraft was known to be a poor executioner and on this occasion his method of hanging did not work out very well. The witness, Samuel Page, again remembered. They did not appear to jerk very hard but rather to slide down. O'Brien died at once, his rope never stirred. Alan kicked a little, but Larkin's struggles were very serious. In fact, Michael Larkin would struggle at the end of that rope for a full 45 minutes before he eventually died. While the three men were interred in the grounds of the New Bailey Prison in Salford, outside Manchester, they soon gained international fame. In Ireland and across the Irish diaspora, the executions were greeted with outrage. Mock funerals were held not only in Ireland, but also in England. Their deaths proved to be a pivotal moment for the Fenians, as the famous philosopher Frederick Engels wrote to Karl Marx. So yesterday morning, the Tories, by the hand of Mr Calcroft, accomplished the final act of separation between England and Ireland. The only thing the Fenians still lacked were martyrs. After the execution, the politician and publicist T.D. O'Sullivan penned the words to a song called God Save Ireland, 
in remembrance of the men. Drawn from the words uttered by the prisoners during their trial, God Save Ireland, the opening lyrics remembered their fate. High upon the gallows tree swung the noble-hearted tree, by the vengeful tyrant stricken in their bloom. But they met him face to face with the courage of their race, and they went with souls undaunted to their doom. This would be the most popular political song in Ireland for the remainder of the 19th century. The three men became household names in Irish history, being remembered as the Manchester Martyrs, and became perhaps the most famous Irish people executed for political activities. While their remains were buried in the New Bailey Prison in Manchester in 1867, they were removed to Strangeways Prison a few years later when the New Bailey closed. They were later moved again to Blackley Crematorium in Manchester, where they were interred in a mass grave. While they can never be reburied in Ireland given they are in a mass grave and it's impossible to know which are their exact remains, they nevertheless do have a tombstone alongside some of the most famous figures from Irish history. In the Republican plot in Glasnevin Cemetery in Dublin, a headstone with the names Michael Larkin, William Allen and Michael O'Brien is situated alongside the graves of leading Irish politicians and rebels. In the show notes available at irishhistorypodcast.ie, you can find pictures of the Manchester martyrs and other figures mentioned in the podcast, including the executioner, William Calcroft. I will also post links to some of the articles used, including two great articles from History Ireland magazine and that letter I mentioned from Constable Samuel Page, who witnessed the execution. They will all be on my website and available at the link irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash Manchester. Until next time, Sloan.